0: Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, Ken's Five's podcast on the San Antonio Spurs and NBA basketball. I'm Jackson Floyd, and joining me again this week we've got Evan Klosky. What up? And Tom Petrini.
1: What to do, do, baby? <laughs>
0: Guys, there's a lot to talk about in the Spurs world. You know, they just wrapped up a road trip. Uh, they went 4-1 and one on that road trip. That's the best road trip they've had outside of the Rodeo road trip since 2012. And, of course, if you include the Rodeo road trip, it's the best stretch of basketball the Spurs have played on the road since 2017. Uh, but before we can turn uh, the conversation towards the silver and black, we need to uh, join in the conversation that the nation is having uh, in this past week uh, after what unfolded at the Capitol last Wednesday. You know, the NBA and specifically its players and coaches – have uh, embraced the bigger-than-basketball mantra, and that's been especially prevalent in the last year. Uh, Over the 2020 summer, when protests uh, around um, social reform and social justice, racial justice, uh, were widespread around this country, the NBA joined in on that. You saw players like DeMar DeRozan, uh, leading those demonstrations in their respective neighborhoods. DeMar was in uh, Compton protesting with his fellow Californians. Over the past week, the League has once again elevated their voices to address the violence that occurred at the U.S. Capitol when supporters of President Trump, who gathered to protest the certification of the 2020 election results, stormed the Capitol building. And then hours later, when Congress reconvened to certify the Electoral College results, the Wizards in the 76ers are already tipped off in Philadelphia, and the opening moments of that game Both teams took a knee in protest of the violence at the Capitol, but also in uh, response to the announcement that no charges would be filed in the police shooting of Jacob Blake. Now, the next night, two of the league's biggest leaders, LeBron James and Spurs head coach Greg Popovich, were in the same building, and neither of them held back on talking about what unfolded Wednesday at the Capitol. Now, we heard Patty a few days ago call Pop a tone setter for what he does on the court for the Spurs, and that night, Pop once again was a tone setter for how the Spurs would respond off the court. Uh, he spoke specifically to the police response to the mob who breached the Capitol, calling, that blas- calling it blatant racism. And their players echoed that, too. LaMarcus Aldridge that night said, if Black people had been the ones who stormed the Capitol, you would have seen a lot more shooting from police officers. DeMar DeRozan called for unity in the wake of the attack. And that's something that Pop echoed last night, uh, suggesting that impeaching President Trump in the wake of the riots would be a step in that direction. Now, guys, what are your thoughts on how the Spurs have responded to what unfolded in the last week and, and the league as well?
1: So I I think that uh, one of the things that jumped out to me uh, from the first thing that Pop said when asked about this immediately afterward um, was, you know, in addition to pointing out the different responses that law enforcement had uh, to the people who stormed the Capitol versus Black Lives Matter protesters and other demonstrators over the summer, he he basically said that they don't get in without there being a wink and a nod somewhere. That's almost a direct quote. And um, you know, you you said that it was supporters of President Trump. That's that's not your words, that's the FBI coming out yesterday talking about the you know hundreds of arrests that are coming and you know the shocking behavior that left five people dead. Um but there are also Capitol Hill police officers now suspended under investigation for their actions uh, during the riot. Um, so um, it, it was, uh, you, you always expect Pop to talk about these things, right? I asked him about impeachment last night and he started by saying, well, you know, I'm not a Congressman, I don't know what you expect me to say and then going on to say, you know, very interesting political thoughts as expected for the next several minutes. Um, so, you know, we're Pop is always gonna talk about these issues and he's, he said he learned from his black players who are out there changing the world. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's one of the biggest reasons for the tremendous respect for Coach Popovich uh, both in San Antonio and around the league is the way that he genuinely cares about, uh, issues that are important to black people. Um, and all sorts of different marginalized groups. Um, he makes an effort to understand it and to educate not just his team, but people outside the team. And he is, um, you know, really dedicated to those causes. Um, and last night talking about, uh, Representative Liz Cheney, a Republican, coming out and saying she would support impeachment. Uh, He said, yeah, that impeachment wouldn't be a divisive thing. It would be a unifying thing where people came together to reject what we saw at the Capitol.
2: Yeah, and and we saw everything happen in the bubble, and the NBA is going to be something of a, of a North star for, for a lot of people. They, they feel that it's important to speak up on these issues. And, and speaking of a North star, I mean, that's Greg Popovich pop always reminds us when he talks about these issues, that he is just a basketball coach. You know, he is a civilian speaking, but for a lot, especially in the league, uh, whether that's players, coaches, front office members, his words matter to some now, now that's not to say to to some others they don't matter, or you disagree, or you're vehemently against it. That's you know that that's all fair. Uh, you know, Popovich doesn't have any power in Congress, and he'll be the first one to tell you. Um, but he's asked his thoughts on these issues because of just how hi, how highly regarded um, and and from everybody in the league and 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 from most of us. Who, who watched the game of basketball um, you know in the world, in the world of sports uh, politics and and this sort of stuff and, and social justice you know that is becoming a fixture of you know coming together long you know long ago are the days where you can separate the two you know if you want to watch your sports you have to also understand that players coaches are going to speak about certain issues and and it going to get divisive, at least from a personal standpoint for some, uh, maybe their favorite player or their favorite coach having different views than what um, someone else holds. What well, it comes
1: down to, though, right, is, you know, if you if you can't support these guys in their fight to be respected as people, right, you mm-hmm. know, their, their fight to get equal protection under the law in practice, yeah. um, you know, then watching them when they play – becomes a little bit empty supporting them when they play if you don't support them when they fight for justice is you know it it requires some self-examination I would say.
2: More so it you know it, it requires a little bit of empathy as well and that's not to say that's not to invalidate one's opinion. We can have empathy and disagree you know and that and that's not just a an MBA thing. That's, that's a large scale problem in our country right now from whatever politics you have. Um, but yes, when it comes to the MBA and, and you're dealing with predominantly black players, you're dealing with predominantly, uh, liberal minded members, you know, that is, that is part of the deal that you're signing up for. Um, and, and if, if you want to support these players and, and just understand that, that they're fighting for something and and they're not going to just shut up and dribble, you know, and to, and to suggest something to where they, they should just shut up and dribble. I think, as you said, Tom requires a little self-examination. And again, that's not to say that you can't disagree with what these opinions are. It's just more so having the empathy to allow these players and coaches to speak their mind on to something that is extremely important. In our country
0: yeah um, and just like over the summer you know this is then the topic they want to elevate their voices and we can do our part to, to talk about what they're talking about and that that's important to do but we should also let them speak for themselves so we're gonna let uh, you listen here now back to what Greg Popovich said what Lamarcus Aldridge said what fev- several other players said uh, over the last week in, in the wake of this as everything unfolded
3: yesterday I think the big picture for me was how it just laid bare uh, the blatant, dangerous, debilitating racism that is our country's sin and has plagued us all these years. Uh, There can't be a better obvious example of a system that is not fair as far as justice and equal rights are concerned, and protection of citizens. It was uh, just right in your face. And anybody that can ignore that uh, is a shameful individual, in my opinion. Uh, It's hard to deny that. And the second take was uh, the fact that I believe with all my heart that Trump enjoyed it and they talked about the police and how easy it was and the barriers were pulled and they just walked right in. That doesn't happen unless there's a wink and a nod somewhere. That just doesn't happen. It's never happened at any protest anybody's ever been to. This was a wink and a nod. Somebody had to realize that this was allowed, that this was, uh, and that's where the lack of preparation comes to. There wasn't any preparation. He didn't want any preparation, Uh, he's incapable, Uh, he's incompetent. While that was going on, 4,000 of our other citizens died due to the pandemic yesterday. We still have the cyber attack that was way worse than Pearl Harbor that hasn't been talked about by him. He doesn't care. He loved those people hitting the Capitol. Because that's what he cares about. There's nothing he's incapable of caring. I mean, it's all about uh, unity um, when it comes to sports. When it comes to us, period, as human beings, and I just
4: have as athletes, to come together and we show we stand together through um, through things like yesterday. You know, uh, we got to show that we're supposed to be a country that's 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 bonded by unity, um, and we just try to show that through our expression before the game. If yesterday wasn't as evident what we've been going through for, for, for years, for years, um, I don't know, I don't know how else to, to put it. You know, yesterday was a perfect des- description of, of what it's like to be black and brown in this country, you know, um, and yesterday showed it. It's tough, you know, um, I think for the people who don't understand or don't see uh, the difference. That you know, black people and uh, white people are being treated, you know, for far being arrested or uh, treated by cops. I think that should have been a, a huge eye opener. You know, if that was a, a group of uh, black people going into that building, there would have been more gunfire, probably more people dead. But you know, you, you see uh, videos of the cops taking selfies and it's just, uh, it's sad, you know, that we haven't come anywhere, that we haven't, um, you know, realized, you know, how bad this is. And I think that yesterday definitely was a a big uh, eye opener for everyone, hopefully, to see that we're not making this up, you know, and you know, and you hear about people saying, uh, you know, they're tired of hearing about Black Lives Matter. And, you know, well, if you're tired of, you know, hearing about it then, you know, uh, change what's going on. But it was just crazy to see um, that many people storming the Capitol and people have guns drawn, but don't do anything. But you have a black person getting out of a car or leaving a store or doing many other things that aren't as threatening as that. And then they get shot, they get killed in many different ways. But you have that yesterday, which no one came in early. No one reacted fast. It was very slow, very gentle. And I feel like if you flip that and make that all black people, that story is totally different. It's more tragic. It's more of what we've seen, you know, uh, before this. So, um, you know, hopefully it's a lot of people that's upset about this because it's not okay. And that is kind of what, We've been going through, you know, our whole lives of, you know, we fear the cops. But then you had those guys yesterday who was taking selfies with the cops, pointing guns back at the cops. It's just a different feeling growing up in this country. And I feel like we have to work at this to change it. And I feel like the people who don't understand how bad yesterday was just in general, they're, you know, they're a part of the problem for sure.
3: All these people, you know, Holly, Holly's a joke, this entitled elite, educated person is really smart, just like Ted Cruz is smart, but they throw fuel onto Trump's fire. They are worse than Trump because they're not sick. They're not deeply flawed. Mr. Trump is not a well man. These people are sane, but their self-interest, their greed, their lust for power outweighs their love of country or their sense of duty to the constitution or to public service and one would have thought with those incidents yesterday they might do a mea culpa like senator Leffler, even though it was hilarious also (laughs) but they doubled down and still went and did it as if we're all stupid you know sometimes smart people think everybody else is stupid and They don't think that we can see that they did this for their own personal reasons so they can keep the base, but it's going to backfire on them.
0: Now, moving on to something that uh, even Coach Pop would tell you is, is much more frivolous. Uh, the Spurs did just wrap up a road trip going four and one, uh, including two big wins in the Staples Center over the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. Evan, I believe last time we talked, you thought those would be the most surprising wins of the road trip. You know, the other ones were easy. What does it mean to get those two big wins? Uh, I guess those are, you'd call those like trademark wins on the season, right?
2: Yeah, I, man, I- if you would have said before the season that they were going to go into the Staples Center and win both of those games, I would have I would have laughed in your face. Now, 100% honest. Uh, now, they played the Clippers without Paul George. That's whatever. Um, I'll still say this, that when you look at the numbers, I mean, the Spurs, I think, this season have played three just absolutely phenomenal games, um, especially offensively. Uh, the first one being Memphis, second one being at Los Angeles Lakers, third one being uh, at Los Angeles Clippers. I flipped them. Clippers came first, but regardless, um, just really when you talk about the potential of this team and what they can do and maybe getting their best shot, um, they did it back to back games in like a playoff setting, staying in LA, that dangerous team. Now I, I don't know if you had a playoff series that they'd be able to sustain that sort of play for seven games. You know, we're kind of seeing right now, um, you know, they're kind of falling off the map here and we'll get into DeMar DeRozan not being a part of the lineup, but wow. I mean, just, just an overall impressive effort. Um, DeJounte Murray continues to impress. Um, You know, everyone just seems to really, get bogged down in the bad game he's going to have. And, and Greg Popovich even said uh, when asked, like, how can DeJounte be more consistent uh, after the loss uh, against the Timberwolves in the second game of the back-to-back? And Popovich said nobody essentially is going to be in this season 72 of 72. But in normal season, 82 games out of 82 games, nobody in the history of basketball nails 82 out of 82. You know, Dejounte is gonna have some bad games. That's just like every other player, and maybe he'll have a little bit more than the the All Star or the Superstar. But overall, when you when you look at the first eleven games, we were asking for Dejounte to really take a step, and um, he, to me, when when you watch these games and you watch the the Clippers and the Lakers and. And that all fill out, especially in crunch time and managing the contest. And I just, I'm blown away. You know, um, really, really impressed with the and and also can't say enough good things about Demar Derozan and what he does for this team. And again, I'll I'll, I'll wait and, and send over to Tom because I know we're going to have a whole Demar Derozan bit in a little in a little after we get through these games.
1: So I think. Um... One of the main things that has impressed me from the Spurs through this stretch is the way that they have stuck with it. Uh, This is something that Patty stick to itiveness. Yes, stick to itiveness, which should be in the dictionary if it's not already. Um, They let go of the rope a little bit in that Clippers game, or rather, Kawhi Leonard did his thing in the third quarter. You knew it was coming. You knew that. Kawhi was going to take over that game at some point. And he did. And he got the Clippers all the way back into it in the third quarter. But he played the entire third quarter. And the Spurs weathered that storm, extended the lead again, and then found a way to close him out in the fourth quarter. DeMar made a great contest. They come out with the win. Uh, against the Lakers, we saw how, how much they missed LaMarcus Aldridge in those first two games against them, right? Uh, He was fantastic. He was a a huge difference maker in that game. And the Lakers down the stretch, they didn't really have a shot. The Spurs put that game away pretty early uh, in the fourth quarter against the defending champs who had both of their superstar top five players. Um, And no, I don't think Paul George is a top five player. He's top.
2: And and I want to just quickly interject because I forgot to say this, Tom, but I'll say this, the three games against the Lakers, the Spurs did not put up one dud. I mean, that yeah, first game, great. They, I, I thought defensively, offensively, I mean, like, if the Lakers didn't shoot the lights out of, of the gym in, in the AT&T Center, they could have won two of three from the Lakers.
1: Here's the thing that Pop has been saying to us in every post game: The consistency in terms of making shots, missing shots, that's the game of basketball, right? You can execute an offensive possession well, get a great shot, have it go in and out. You can have a possession that breaks down entirely and Rudy Gay dribbles into a, a weird contested mid-range shot that goes in. And, you know, how do you evaluate those possessions, right? Um, if, if you're doing it results-based, that's not looking deep enough, And so when you look at the way the Spurs are executing their offense, I think DeJounte Murray in last night's game is a perfect case study because he was executing in the first half. He was setting up the offense. He was getting guys in his spots. He was getting to his own spots, getting good shots that he should take and statistically has made a bunch of this season. They just didn't fall. Um And I asked him about it after because we saw in the fourth quarter, um, I I went back and watched the tape and I saw two big things that the Spurs did that was basically the same thing with a wrinkle.
2: And you're talking about the Thunder game, right?
1: In the Thunder game, yes. Okay. Um, In the second half – Pop mentioned this, DeJounte ran the same high pick and roll about 10 or 12 times, made a different read every time, and most of the time it was a great read. That pick and roll, pick and pop with him and LaMarcus Aldridge has been money for years. They've developed wonderful chemistry there. Uh, Aldridge is a perfect safety valve, and there were multiple times last night where DeJounte knew exactly what he needed to do to come off that screen draw enough of the defense to let LaMarcus Aldridge get open for that shot and found him and they hit it. Um, a lot of what the Spurs offense did with the starting unit in came around running screens from LaMarcus Aldridge. Aldridge is averaging under five post-ups a game this year. Spurs bottom 10 in the league in post-ups per game this year. Uh, and there was one possession where I counted six screens from him. Uh, and that's how he should be playing. It's it's great. Um, but DeJounte was fantastic down the stretch in that game. And Patty Mills running the double drag screen and, and roll with... Uh, there was one possession where he did it with Jakob, who rolled to the basket, and Rudy Gay, who popped. There was one... Gay got a, a wide-open three on it because of miscommunication. When you use two screens, when you put defense is in the set where they have to read not one but two screens somebody's gonna be open um so they ran that one got a three for gay they ran it again and uh Keldon caught open at the arc and then drove through uh traffic which he did so well Keldon was fantastic in that game lonnie super aggressive 24 points team high again uh he's the seventh spur to lead this team in scoring hmm. so you know That's 11 games. It's in 11 games, right. And that's one of my favorite things about this team. Somebody asked me last night, who's the next guy after DeMar DeRozan? And even with DeMar in the lineup, the best thing about this team to me is there isn't one guy who I think every night is going to be the top scorer. It can be anybody. It's whoever the hot hand is. And this team is getting so much better at identifying who has that matchup, who has that hot hand, getting him the ball. Um, So... Uh, and Spurs definitely I wanna, moving in the right direction.
2: Yeah, and Tom, I want I want to piggyback off of that. Uh, you want to talk about usage? DeMar DeRozan twenty six point five percent, Dejounte Murray twenty five point three percent, Lamarcus Aldridge twenty three point two percent, Rudy Gay twenty one percent. Then you have Lonnie Walker and Keldon Johnson both around eighteen uh, percent. I forgot to mention Patty Mills, which is also twenty one percent. Like everyone, look at that, that's what I name, uh, seven guys, right? Seven guys, the highest being Damar at 26.5% and the lowest being Kelvin at 18%. You know, that's, I mean, that's pretty darn good.
0: Yeah, it's fun going through and talking about these games with you guys because, yeah, we're, we're talking about the wins and, and the, the not just the wins, but the, what drives them to the wins. And, you know, we've got the, the Patty game, which he hits a career high eight three pointers. We've got the DeMar game when he scores 38. LaMarcus game, you know, he comes back and leads them to the win over the Lakers. Lonnie Walker has risen up in the last two games. it's It's, it's been these guys who aren't afraid to take on the mantle of being the guy that night. And that's why this team is going to be successful in the long run. Uh, going back to the Dejounte Murray conversation, I, I think what he's done this season has warranted him is uh, warranted uh, a place in the conversation as the most as one of the most improved players in the league, uh, a contender for the most improved player award. Normally, the Spurs don't you know get get national attention and awards like that unless you're uh, Tim Duncan. But I I think he, he's he's got a place in that conversation, uh, mainly uh, on what he's done in terms of. Bringing back the uh, turnovers, you know, he's 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 not turning the ball over as much, and that's a that's a team wide trend we're seeing, right? A, a historic pace they're on in terms of turnovers per the season. Last night they had four turnovers in the game, which is is crazy to think about. Um, and, and I think what they're averaging ten a game is that the number right now. Um, would, would
1: under be- 10 five.
0: Which would be the uh, the best uh, any team's ever finished a season at if, if, if the season were to end today? Uh, I think right now their assist to turnover ratio uh, is the best the league has seen in seventy five years, uh, if, if I'm uh, reading that right. Uh, Tom, what is what is cutting down the turnovers? What does that mean for this team, and is that sustainable uh, numbers?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of these games that the Spurs have kept close, they they've taken the variance into account where shots are not going to fall sometimes. Right. Um, And they, they run their sets, they get their shots, but more than anything, they take care of the ball. They value every possession. They know that if they can not just take care of the ball on, on their own end, run the sets they want, get the shots they want, but if they can then disrupt the opponent um, and get out in transition, they're, incredibly dangerous and you look at what they did to the thunder right Forced 13 turnovers 26 points off those turnovers that's an efficiency of a two-point basket off of every single turnover they made pretty darn good (laughs) uh the thunder got uh two total points off of those four spurs turnovers um and that's where the spurs won the game They won the game by taking care of the ball and by getting out in transition. They did not shoot well. Thunder didn't shoot particularly well either. Um, But the Spurs won this game because they valued every possession. And, uh, you know, DeJounte didn't have a single turnover until uh, the final moments when he got a little tragic with it between three guys in the backcourt. And uh, the Thunder then missed an open three that would have uh, tied it. Or not not tied it would have brought it within three and I'm sure the slander would have been tremendous mm-hmm. um yeah but you know the the Spurs have won games this year because of of that focus on keeping care of the ball one of the craziest stats I saw the the ones you mentioned Jackson were crazy I, 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 saw, I saw those from uh I think Noah Major George on Twitter um but the uh The one I saw in the broadcast the other night was uh, in wins, the Spurs' assist-to-turnover ratio is crazy. Even in losses, their assist-to-turnover ratio, which is lower, um, would still be the highest in the league. So even at their worst, turning the ball over, they're still better than every other team in the league, which is just remarkable.
2: Yeah, and, and I also want to say this. The last two games, and I'm talking about the, the Timberwolves, the second game of the, the, the back-to-back, and then the Thunder, a little tough to evaluate. Mostly, the, so let me backtrack here. The second game of the back-to-back, uh, the Timberwolves and the Spurs really played just a, a, a tough, tough game in that first matchup. Minnesota got Karl Anthony Towns back, which gave them a huge boost. They were absolutely atrocious without him. He comes back into the lineup, and they looked like an energized bunch. Um, evidently, Malik Beasley is heading to the All Star game this year. Uh, they 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 just could not miss, and and the Spurs went blow for blow with them, and especially DeMar DeRozan. Um, look no, and. and I'll get to the second game. But when you don't have DeMar DeRozan out there, there are some things we can analyze. Like the last two games, the defense has been better. Uh, Just have not given up many points. And, you know, we can say that the other team is missing shots. But at some point, we have to attribute it a little bit to maybe DeMar not being the world's greatest defender. And you're going to have, you know, with the lack of offense you're getting. Um, You're also going to get some improved defense, which probably equals out in the long run um, because what happens is like in a game against Minnesota, down the stretch, leading by nine, the Spurs got cold and there was nobody on that team who can dig out the Spurs from that hole. Uh, Patty tried to do it, rush shots, forced it. I think what we saw in the last couple of games uh, Patty went from being a 57% three-point shooter to 47%. He's uh, six of his last 21. And that's mostly because I think he's, he's, he's putting a lot of pressure on himself. He's putting up some really off-balance three-pointers, and I think he's trying to do too much. And that's because I feel like he thinks he needs to be that guy with DeMar out. You know, Can DeMar I just say comes- – on- on yeah. um,
1: Patty, one thing I noticed, especially when he was running that screen and roll, when they, when they took the second guy out of it, and it was just him and Yach running screen and roll spread mm-hmm. from the top, once he gets past his man on that screen, and it's him with a live dribble at the three-point arc, one-on-one with a big man, mm-hmm. danger. Danger, danger, danger. Mm-hmm. Like There are so many ways he can be that big man. Um and I, I think you're right that he's been uh I mean he can he came into the into the season saying like Yeah I'm I'm coming for I'm coming for that buck like, like I'm I'm ready for it. I I uh and and he he's played like that with or without DeMarc. Um when when he's he's point guarded that bench unit pretty well in the absence of uh Derek white, you know, he's, he's been needed there. Um, but, you know, I, I think, I think you're right that he has been sort of forced to take some, some of these shots, some of the scoring load. Um, we, he, he didn't break down the Minnesota zone as well as DeRozan did uh, for fairly obvious reasons. Cause DeMar is one of the great scorers in the league still, even though he is according to ESPN, the 82nd best player, uh, which Dejounte had a good laugh at uh, after that thirty-eight point game, and you know Pop said that he he got them the
2: win in that game.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, and Marcus when... Aldridge is the ninety-fifth best player uh, on that list as well. So, uh... well,
2: and 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 to be fair, Lamarcus is playing like that from an offensive standpoint, even though the Spurs. Are so much better of a team with Lamarcus in the lineup. Like they need him. Six to help and two. With Six yeah, and no. Two. I, I'm, he's, not, I'm he's not. shooting my,
1: like the 95th best. That, best, that's, best yeah, best that's life. what I'm saying. He's executing like one of the best pick and pop big men in the league.
2: Correct. Yeah, and and that's what so, I'm saying is not like Lamarcus is going to get better. That's the thing is like his shoot. He is not this bad of a shooter. And if he is, then then his career is one or two years away from being over. Like I mean. He's just not going to survive if this is how he's going to shoot. I tend to believe, I think he's playing a new role and he's still trying to figure it out a little bit. Um, but again, I mean, we'll, we'll reassess LaMarcus if after 20 games, it's still like his three-point percentage is at 30% and he's still not finishing around the rim like he should be. Um, but, you know, even beyond that, uh, I think, you know, losing DeMar, um, I think in the OKC game, there are stretches where it gets a little, oh, my God, who's going to score? <laughs> like, you know, you don't have that dude. And th- that's what DeMar is, is when things aren't going well offensively, he gets you buckets. Getting you buckets regains momentum. Regaining momentum allows other people to feel confident in their shot again instead of pressing. Um, and, and that's something that we saw a little bit in, at the end of the Minnesota game where the Spurs just completely flatlined. And then also in the OKC game to begin the first quarter and the third quarter. Um, but to, to their credit, um, the offense as a whole really functioned well in the OKC game. Uh, the, the points per possession were, were fairly similar to what I think their average is on, on the season. And a, a lot of people did step up. And, and Lonnie Walker has been able to showcase that he can do that. And, and Tom, you asked him, I, I believe, about Lonnie Walker staying aggressive. And he said, "We're tr- you know, Every, there, there are like, quote, nine coaches on this team, and we're all telling him to be aggressive, stay aggressive, and hopefully this sticks. So it's not even a thing where um, Lonnie's being told, hey, you're the fifth option, just kind of lay back in the weeds. They want him to utilize his athleticism. They want him to do what he's doing. He's a tremendous three-point shooter, you know? They just need Lonnie to, to get into drive mode, and, you know, eventually uh, we still need to see him finish better at the rim you know, a lot of these players, outside of DeJounte, who's, who's making a step there, he's, uh, you know, having a, a, a career best near the rim. A lot, you know, even Keldon. Keldon gets to the rim great. He's one of the best in the league to do that. He's still not finishing well, um, you know, comparatively speaking. So, um, you know, a lot of these players need to finish a job at the rim. I think that is something that will regress to the mean in a positive direction as the season goes forward. So that's something to, to look forward even, to as well. Even
1: but. with the area, the, the room for improvement there, and I agree, you know, all of those guys can, you know, even DeJounte on some nights, you know, every, everybody misses a bunny here and there. Um, yeah. But, you know, looking at the numbers, the player tracking from uh, NBA.com, Spurs are top three in the league uh, in terms of drives per game at 56 uh, mm-hmm. Scoring 31 points per game on those drives, which leads the league. Um, so you know they they are attacking the rim really well and getting three point shots out of it. Um, and you know their their three point attempts per game is 24th though. I think we'll see some evening out as yeah, yeah. the Spurs get a little bit more confident in their shots um you know because they they're they're i'm sure they're watching the tape and stopping it and saying when you caught it here pretty open you should have shot it when you caught it here you should have shot it uh the same way i hope they stop the tape with Jakob pertle and say there's nobody here there's nobody there just dunk it like he can. He knows he's seven foot one right put on that uh and the same way that all nine coaches are reminding Lonnie that he's that dude, all nine coaches need to remind Jakob Pertl that he's seven one and that's a good thing. I've said it before, <laughs> but like the way he carries himself on the court sometimes, it's like he looks like that lanky kid in school who's banged his head on too many door frames <laughs> and just like kind of walks hunched over and is like, ooh,
2: like like makes himself smaller than he is. Be big, dude. You're big. Yeah. And, and I want to say this about Jakob is, you know, his stats are never impressive, but uh, you look at the lineups. When Jakob Pirtle's in the game, the Spurs are a better team. They are. Uh, he just he, – he is a, a, a great fit for this team – defensively and what they kind of need out of a big man. He could be doing more. He, sh- you know, he should be finishing and dunking and, and all that stuff. I, I think that's um, the
1: frustrating part is like he has that ability, right? Like to, yeah. to be like, he's already good at what he does quietly. He could be so much better at what he does loudly. Like I don't need him shape threes. Just dunk, just block shots. Just play your role as aggressively as you can. I think that's if, if every spur on this team, things like that they'll be incredibly dangerous but you know mm-hmm. yak through the first 11 games to me has been the the soft point
0: yeah, the Spurs had uh, the Spurs coaching staff. All nine of them have their hands full uh, convincing that Jakob that he is the dude. Uh, a guy in the Spurs who needs no convincing he is the dude is Demar Derozan. We haven't talked about him a lot on the pod because it's kind of been a given. He's going to be the guy, you know, driving this team as the leader, as the forefront. And we've talked about him in that. Uh, a lot of the conversation has leaned towards the younger guys, you know, Calvin Johnson, Dejounte Murray. Um, but we would be remiss if we didn't give Demar his due because he is having uh, he has set himself up for a career year right now uh he's 21 points a game seven assists uh almost six rebounds uh most importantly and as far as the spurs are involved uh, concerned you know he's shooting two and a half three pointers a game at a 39 percent clip uh evan what have you seen from Demar in, in transforming his game that is, has impressed you most
2: the the key about Demar, and i think we mentioned this a little bit but he is um he has decreased his amount of shots from his career high And he is being more effective in what he's doing. I don't think it's any coincidence. I also don't want to put too much weight in it, but I don't think it's any coincidence that the Spurs have been uh, bad shooting the three-pointer the last couple of games without DeMar DeRozan. It cannot be underestimated with what DeMar does to open up great shots for his teammates. DeMar was never – the facilitator in Toronto that he is in San Antonio. And the minute that that DeMar arrived in San Antonio, Greg Popovich talked about how he was so surprised at how well DeMar dishes the ball. And year after year that he has been here, we have seen him become more of, you know, the initiator in the offense. And, and that was the whole argument that, I mean, we've done time and time again with, DeMar's importance and people wanting to run the, you know, give the keys to the car of, of the San Antonio Spurs to all the young guys, to which I argue that's fine. You can still give them to the young guys, but DeMar helps the young guys. He's not, you know, this is what we want. We don't want DeMar to steal usage from the young guys. We want him to elevate the young guys. And I think that is what we're seeing from DeMar this year. His defense is still questionable. It always is going to be questionable and it hurts You know, we we talked about in the bubble, you were able to kind of mask it a little bit more because you were running these smaller lineups. Uh, LaMarcus is now running in a starting unit with DeMar. So LaMarcus isn't as good as he could be defensively. DeMar isn't as good as he could be defensively. That puts a lot of pressure on Lonnie Walker and to Murray. Keldon's still figuring it out, even though I like so much of what Keldon's doing, but he's drawing some ridiculously hard matchups. And he's not really getting much help elsewhere from that. So, You know, when you look at Lonnie's numbers uh, defensively and Keldon, like these guys in the starting lineup, they're not great. But there's no surprise that it's not great because they are the ones that are drawing the hardest matchups. And they're the ones that are receiving not the most help doing so. You know, they're pretty much sometimes caught on an island against the world's greatest athletes. And, you know, if they win a handful of times, that's going to be what they need to do because you just, you know, you just, Take what you can get from DeMar on the offensive end because he's having just an insane year offensively. Uh, we can run through all the stats. It doesn't matter. I mean, uh, what he's doing, facilitating, and what he's doing, scoring the ball, it just that's what we love about DeMar. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, without him here these past couple games, uh, and he's out because he's tending to his ill father. So, obviously, we're, we're hoping for the best there. We don't know when he's going to return. Uh, maybe. It's tomorrow. We'll have an update from the Spurs at some point today. It's Wednesday at one o'clock. But, um, you know, what we've seen the last couple of days, the offense get a little bit stagnant. And, you know, who is going to be that guy that steps up? And that just takes time, you know. And and that – whenever you, you take someone out of your rotation and you, you shift things around – there are going to be a lot of scratching heads. That's why Trey Lyles has been put into the starting lineup over a guy like Rudy Gay. Because personally, I think Rudy Gay is the guy that should be starting with this unit, uh, with DeMar out. Because Lyles isn't the answer. But I can't hate Pop for keeping the second unit as is because the second unit is what continually crushes opponents.
1: Yeah, I I think – I personally have been wanting to see more Trey Lyle's minutes uh, throughout the year. Um, remember, this is a guy who really grew into that starting role last year before missing the bubble with that emergency appendectomy. Hadn't played competitive hoops since then, looked rough in the limited preseason, um, and then was stuck in the rotation behind guys who had established themselves. Um, he rebounds well. He has the length and size and foot speed to defend multiple positions um he got in some tough situations last night on the perimeter against smaller players but uh you know he's he's a stretch four who adds a lot of versatility and um you know if you add a guy like rudy gay to the starting lineup there's no way lonnie walker is leading the team in scoring in those two games i'm just saying Um, well that's fair you know, it it ge- a guy like Lyles. Adding him to that group, not only does it keep the second unit intact, but it gives those Spurs guards, those young that young backcourt, and Keldon Johnson, um, another pick and pop big floor spacer who doesn't need to touch the ball except to catch it and give a dribble handoff. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in terms of DeMar DeRozan, I think you hit the nail on the head with him creating three-point shots because um, he, he's so excellent at collapsing the defense. He's a, a ridiculous interior scorer, always has been. Um, I've been uh, flat-out impressed with his execution from, his execution and his, his shooting percentage from three. Um, he isn't forcing anything. He's taking shots that are in the flow. But they're, they're also not all wide open. You know, he's taking some of these off the catch with the guy closing out, but he knows that the guy's not going to get there and shoots with that same confidence that he has from, you know, 18 feet and in And when he's playing like that and when, you know, he, he's talked about taking what the defense gives him, right? Um, you know, that's, that's his, what he's trying to do. He's not trying to force anything. Um, and for a long time, the defense gave him threes and he didn't take them here in San Antonio for the most part. Um, now he's taking those threes that the defense is giving him and the Spurs look like a team on a different level because he's found a different level to his game, literally. Um, and that has added so much to what the Spurs do. Um, Evan, you talked about, you know, not what the, the argument between who you give the keys to, right? Mm-hmm. I think about it like this. Long trip, right? Whole families in the car. Uh, you let the kids drive. You give you give them time to learn and mm-hmm. you know, get instruction and, and be there and 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 do the thing. Because one day the, you know, they'll be doing the whole trip. But then, you know, it's nighttime, you're getting close to your destination, everybody's tired, who's driving? It's dad. It's, it's DeMar DeRozan, you know. DeMar is taking everybody home. Um, and that's, that's the way that the Spurs have been pretty effective in closing out a lot of these games, um, <clears throat> is, is running through DeMar DeRozan. And one day, you know, it's going to be Dejounte taking everybody home, or Lonnie, or Keldon. Um, and they're going to have games where they do that this year, but um, Demar getting to that extra level this year has made him uh, just that much more effective as as
2: the bus driver. And and let me also say this: sixty three assists, twelve turnovers, insane, uh, just just so stupid. But a guy beyond, who
1: attacks the way he does and gets hacked it, with no call as much as he does. It,
2: it is absurd. I mean, it, the guy is absolutely absurd. Just like 99th and a hundred percentile. Like, so on, uh, <clears throat> he's assisting 30% of the Spurs made shots, which is also insane. Um, but I think my biggest complaint with the DeMar DeRozan debate with fans sometimes is that they say it's DeMar or the young guys. We need the young guys. Like it can be both. And that's what we're seeing this year. And I understand it because in the past, I think DeMar probably leaned a little heavily on him taking over everything. But I think from the bubble into what we're seeing, you know, he allows, as you, as you mentioned, and I, and I love the, the analogies, early in the game, he's feeling it out. And he's, gonna, he's, he's getting everybody the ball. And when it comes down to crunch time, he takes over. And I don't think anybody's complaining about that. He's freaking nuts in the fourth quarter. He always comes through. I should say almost always comes through when you need a bucket. And it's like you, you, you can't teach that. You can't just, like, you can't teach. You know, I thought DeJounte did a great job against Oklahoma City down the stretch really going bucket for bucket making some mid-range jumpers but what Demar does night in night out come to stretch and by the way the Spurs always played close games pretty much um, their their point differential between offense and defense is pretty much the same uh they're ultimately they're they're putting up as many points as they're giving up uh they're they're right there in the middle of the league so they're going to play a ton of close games and he's an X factor in that you know like he just is um, so yeah i just we're going to get further down the line. We're, we're still way too early in the season to, to tangle in this what to do with DeMar debate. The way he's playing right now, he's going to draw interest from some teams. And I don't think that DeMar has anything um, – you know, there's always been the rumors that he's shot down, that DeMar doesn't like his time in San Antonio. I think that's been overblown, obviously. I do think he doesn't want to live in San Antonio. He's a California guy. There's nothing wrong with saying that. It's no shade to San Antonio either. I'm sure he just wants to be closer to home. But, you know, I think that there's going to be an interesting debate with, A, how much do you pay DeMar? B, is DeMar going to have the opportunity elsewhere that he's going to have in San Antonio? Um, and C, you know, when – when is DeMar going to hit the wall? Because, you know, like, like Joe Johnson or, uh, or Rip Hamilton, at some point, whoosh, it's just going to go. It's, and once, once the offense goes, he's done. Like, there's, there's, once, once he can not do what he can do offensively, he's, like, out of the league. Um, I don't think that's happening quite yet. Um, he hasn't shown any signs of that. He's, he's still, like, 31. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, it's a very, very complicated debate and it's going to be very tough to know what to do if we hit the the trade deadline and the Spurs don't feel like they can bring him back what you know if you can get assets for him is that the move even though he's you know maybe going to help you make the playoffs this year there's a lot of questions that will attack uh towards game 45 I'm sure
0: I don't think it's too early to have this conversation. Max DeMar, you do not trade him. He makes every single person on this Spurs team better. You want these young guys to evolve, he's the guy helping these guys evolve. You talk about the mentorship he brought in the bubble. You talk about the growth that these guys have, uh, have taken. Lonnie Walker has taken as, a, as an executor, as, a, as an aggressor, but also just on the three-point, he's the guy facilitating those shots and giving those shots. You take the chance that... Maybe DeMar realizes that Pop has unlocked something, you know? He had reached a new level playing under Popovich, and maybe Popovich says he sticks around for a couple more years. DeMar agrees to a two-year max deal. He can go to the Clippers or the Lakers— Uh, next year, uh, in two years, uh, once that deal ends and and finish out his career in California. You dropped my favorite number surrounding DeMar. He is 31 years old. He is still in his prime of basketball. He's got three more years left. Uh, Players have been stretching their primes too. You look around the league, there have been drop-offs in guys like Joe Johnson and Rip Hamilton. That was a decade ago, right? You know Mm -hmm. These guys are going to be able to play a little longer. Uh, I I don't think DeMar is going to be a guy like Vince Carter, who's in the league when he's 43, but he's got a couple more years here. him if you don't, you're going to really regret seeing him play as the third guy on
1: the Lakers next year. I So, maxing is a lot. I yeah. think he'll be worth a lot of that. I don't know if he'll be worth all of that. But my thinking going into this season regarding DeMar has changed because DeMar has changed for the better, right? Mm-hmm. The, the prevailing thought for me, for most of DeMar's career here in San Antonio, has been he's a great player, he's a great scorer, interior scorer, and he's growing as a facilitator, but still, the fact that he can't or won't step out to the three-point arc, space the floor for these other guys and knock down those shots is a fatal flaw in a guy that's going to be the guy. I don't know if you can max a player Mm -hmm. in the NBA who doesn't shoot threes. Hi, Rudy Gobert. Uh, (laughs) Like, I I just don't know if you can do it in today's NBA. Um, But it's not just the threes that DeMar has been shooting that have me excited for potential long-term or at least longer than this season term uh, play in San Antonio. He likes playing with these young guys. Uh, And especially this year with all the defense and long arms around him, um, he can just be part of that group uh, defensively. If, If he's the weakest link defensively, Evan, this is something you said a lot last year, uh, if he's the weakest link defensively, he looks a lot better defensively and the team looks a lot better defensively. Um, we saw it a bunch of times in that, in that thunder game without DeRozan, right? When you have guys like DeJounte, Lonnie, Keldon, Devin Vassell, Jakob Pertle on the floor, it's all long arms. It's all grit and all like impossible for people to complete passes and run the sets that they want to run. Um, so especially if you can hide DeRozan against, you know, the worst guy one through three, um, I'm not as worried about his defense. So the the way that he has grown as you know the all around leader for this team and the team around him compensates for his flaws on the defensive end. Um, I am far less opposed to keeping Demar Derozan past the end of the year. I'm uh, I would lean toward it at this point, because I agree that he has been, in addition to a fantastic bucket getter and um, facilitator, just a, a leader on this team. Uh, he's he's uh, grown into that, and I I think he I I think he likes it here. I don't know. I like to think he likes it here, and he likes playing with these guys. Um and in a lot of respects it would be hard not to. There's there seems to be a lot of genuine camaraderie here. Uh and that makes this one of the more fun Spurs teams to cover. Um they they genuinely love playing with each other and for each other. Uh and Pop talked about growing that love on a on a road trip where you're not allowed to do anything. And it's hard, but they're doing it. And I think it's because they came into the season and they loved each other, you know? And it's, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what the, uh, where you find the advanced metrics on that, uh, if there's a cleaning the, the glass for uh, the, the impact. I don't see, yeah,
0: teammates. I don't see
2: anything on cleaning the glass. For, it's it's, for, it's, it's uh, on cleaning uh, the heart,
0: cleaning the heart. That's,
2: that's where it's at. Yeah, oh, my so. God. Like, there we go.
1: Like, this, this team's love ratio is as <laughs> off the chart as this ratio. Uh, and and it's, it's genuine. It's pure. It's dope. It's, it's, uh, it's really sweet. Uh, it, it makes me happy on days when I'm sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, these guys, uh, you know, they all play for each other. And, you know, we talked about the usage rate, right? I think all mm-hmm. seven of those players are averaging 12 points or more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're, sh- they're sharing the ball they're, uh, they're really playing I think the most selfless Spurs basketball that we've seen since Pop dismantled the beautiful game to let Kawhi run the show mm-hmm. um, and that alone should get Spurs fans excited even if they came out of this first 11 games 3-8 and eight, and they executed the same way you know, I I would I would be uh you know lo- looking up because they they were only favored in three of these games, uh, and they're six and five now, so they've yeah. overperformed. Uh, and the rest of their schedule that we know of is pretty easy. Um, so
2: yeah, it's well, when when the second part of the schedule comes out, it's going to get a little rough. But uh, you know, I, I, like th- this is where they got to make their money. Yeah.
1: They absolutely need to do it here. And, um, you know, I, I said before the season, I think this team is closer to a guaranteed playoff spot in the West than they are to the lottery. Everything that I've seen through these first 11 games has confirmed that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're six and five through the eleven there, and right in the hunt uh, of the playoffs. Uh, you talk about their upcoming schedule. Uh, Thursday, uh, they take on the Rockets, and then the uh, Saturday they're against the Rockets once again. Uh, then they start the next week off with an MLK Day game uh, against the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, and then the Golden State Warriors in uh, San Fran. Uh, San- what they're not. In- they're in yeah, San, Francisco San Francisco now. yeah, duh. Yeah. Like, they like, moved San from Oakland to no, San Francisco. Yeah, the San Francisco. Uh, so that's a, a stretch of winnable games in, in which they could make a jump here. We talked about consistency, consistency last time, putting together a run. They still have a chance to do that. Uh, and they're going against uh, the Houston Rockets next, which Tom...
1: – Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> uh, All right. Do you want to address
0: what's going on right now in uh, H-Town?
1: James Harden's situation has reached critical mass. Uh, <laughs> there, there is it is it is disintegrating upon re-entry into the atmosphere. Uh whatever metaphor you want to use, things are not good for the Houston Rockets right now. Uh they are uh record wise one of the worst teams in the West at three and six. Um coming off losses to the Lakers in back-to-back games where they got outscored by uh, almost 20 points in both of them. Uh, James Harden is in the middle of one of the worst stretches of his career scoring the ball so bad you almost have to think it's intentional. Uh, and his comments <laughs> after the game last night uh, seemed to reinforce that as he basically said, uh, we're not good enough. Uh, chemistry, talent, everything... I've given everything I have to this city, and uh, I don't think we can fix this. Uh, Eleven games in, with John Wall looking healthy for the first time in two years, um, just no buy-in from a guy who's supposedly uh, a top-five player in the league. And uh, you know, what 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 do you do from here? As the Rockets, because this this guy is a, a locker room cancer at this point. John well, Wall I, I, really I'll,
2: frustrated I'll, after the game. I'll I'll tell you this: that uh, reports are coming out right now that the the Nets and the Sixers are heavily involved in getting James Harden. That momentum is picking up. They said momentum has been picking up the last few days, even before uh, the James Harden comments. So there is a very valid question of whether or not James Harden will be playing against the Spurs at all. He wasn't in practice today. Didn't show up. Um, so I, I don't know what is going on there. But it's very possible the Spurs are going to play the Rockets back-to-back games, and James Harden will not be on the court. Doesn't if, matter because Christ, Christian Wood's going to score 50 points with 25 rebounds since that's what he does against the Spurs. If, but you're, the Rockets, that,
1: if you're the Rockets, you don't let Harden play in these games, Right.
2: Like,
1: yeah, I mean, at this point you got to protect him, right? You, you, you put him in bubble wrap and keep him and his nonsense away from the team, uh, until, until you can trade him. Uh, and you know, no, no love lost between Spurs and Rockets. Uh, it's, it's always a physical matchup. It's, it's, uh, you know, not something that you would want to be risking a valuable and uncooperative trade asset during um especially if he very clearly doesn't want to be there uh it's probably best for Houston to uh you know play with the guys that actually want to be there uh, and that might actually make them better if they just have a focused and pissed off John Wall uh you know running the show that that might be a more dangerous team than one with a a completely ineffective and
2: you know, flow disrupting Harden who's I'll say this. basically yeah. sabotaging things now. Yeah. I, I don't even know about like sabotaging, but he's definitely disengaged to the point where I just think he's cool passing the ball. Like his, his assist numbers are fantastic. And I just think that he's like, man, yeah, screw it. I can score here. I don't want to, you go and do it. And that's what I think he's, that's where I think he's, disengaged and where he's hurting his team is that I just don't think he gives a crap to take over games and win them. You know, I just think he's really okay with the fact like you guys do the work. I'm just going to hang around here. I'll set you up. He's a great passer, uh, an elite passer, but um, you know, he's an elite scorer. And if he's not doing that at a high enough clip, the Rockets aren't scary. So, you know, who knows, you know, and by the way, who knows what they're going to get in the deal if it's going to be – I mean, they said at least three first-round picks are the rumors. Um, the Nets reports say that anyone is on the table outside of Kevin Durant. Um, if they can trade Kyrie Irving, I'm sure they would love to do that at this point. Uh, with We don't know what is going on with his situation. Uh, the Sixers, I'm very intrigued to what they would be giving up for James Harden. Um, so, I don't know.
1: Um, what, what about okay. this trade? What, what do you think of this? James Harden and PJ Tucker to the Spurs, oh DeMar gosh. DeRozan, Keldon Johnson, Lonnie yeah. Walker, Rudy yeah. Gay, 2021, 2023, and 2025 unprotected firsts yeah. to the Rockets. I who mean, says- who says no? Oh.
0: Yeah. I, that, he was ratioed, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, he is buried underneath the ratio prison right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, for any team that's not the Brooklyn Nets or the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, James Harden is not worth trading a fax machine for because yeah, he does not want to play for your team. Uh, the, the funniest part of that whole thing was the guy was like, oh, Spurs Twitter's mad at me. Sorry, this is what he's going to cost. Like, the the Pelicans got three first rounders for Drew. Okay, this is like going up to a person and saying, hey, would you trade all of your material possessions for an SR-71 Blackbird that you need to live in and you to work with? Like, no, I have no use for the fastest manned aircraft. I can't okay. use that to do anything and I won't be able to stay in my possession for longer than a year because I'm not supposed to have it. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, it's so, like. And then saying to that person, I'm
2: sorry, but that's what it's costs. Like, okay. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. I don't that's, want or need that. That's, that's my whole point is like, well, this is what it's going to cost. Like, no, 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 you're missing the point. Spurs fans don't give a crap about what it costs. It, it, they don't want him. It's like, we don't want it. Like, I get it. Like, I appreciate you involving us in the conversation, but like, no, thank you. <laughs> We're good here. We're good. And it has nothing to do with – it's just like James Harden doesn't fit. It's not a fit. It's not a fit. And, you know, James Harden still has a lot – like his legacy is hanging in the balance of what he can do in the playoffs. And we can talk about all this, about how he – you know, Harden has run up against arguably – I don't even want to say arguably – the world's greatest team with the Warriors and Duran. And they almost took him down. Um, you know, he ran up – that was a buzzsaw – And not to mention you got to now play against LeBron James, but, um, you know, moving to the East now seems like a pretty good deal playing with Kevin Durant, you know, his buddy seems like a pretty good deal, you know, but that's see, that's, and and that's why people are pissed off at the the world of sports right now. And, and a lot of times in the NBA, you know, people, players, they run away from the challenge And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff, you know, in Houston, um, you know, with whatever's going on there, but but the fact of the matter is, players, just especially superstars, and and, and I'm, you know, I don't blame them. It's just, you know, back in back in the day, um, when you were with a team, you, you wrote it out and you figured it out, and if you didn't, you didn't. I mean, you have Dan Marino's in the world, you just do, but uh, Charles Barkley's. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the thing is like now if, if, he wants to do, if he wants to go to a different team and it doesn't work out there, I mean, the microscope's amplified. But, um, yeah, I, thanks but no thanks on the, on the Harden. And, and he's a tremendous player, just not a fit in San Antonio.
0: I mean, all it does to 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 change the narrative, to flip the narrative on a 180, is, is to go to the East, join Kevin Durant, and win a championship, right? I mean, we saw it with Anthony Davis, who won a championship with LeBron, and now all of a sudden he's getting comparisons to Tim Duncan. We saw it with Kawhi Leonard. You know, he went to Toronto, and suddenly he's a guy who can be the leader, the one of the best players in the league. He wasn't kind of getting that conversation with the Spurs, and, and there was a lot of conversation about who he was when he left that team. Uh, I mean, even the Kevin Durant, when he went to Golden State, the, the the conversation around him changed LeBron going to Miami. So, I mean, I, I see why players would want to do this. You know why it's worth kind of tanking at your reputation in a place. Jimmy Butler comes to mind as well as a guy who changed the conversation around him in, in the span of a season by just having a championship run. They didn't win, but they made it to the finals and that was enough for him.
1: Yeah. i about most little- of those conversations changing, though, is it's stupid, right? Like like Kevin Durant going to the Warriors um I think he appropriately was you know judged and not given a ton of credit for joining a team that was already incredibly dominant but you know he he was the best player on that team for stretches and for finals uh he he was you know the the laser in the death star you know he he was the he he was Probably their best player for a while, um, and made them so unbeatable. But like, there are a lot of people who are who are like, oh, you know, he didn't he didn't do that on his own. You know, he's he just left the the team because he couldn't hack it on his own as the main guy. Um, and that was the that was the line on LeBron until he you know dragged the the Cavs to beating that Warriors team, right? Um, so when when you look at the legacy stuff with harden the only thing that will improve his legacy in terms of can he get it done in the playoffs is if he does it as the best player on a team cuz if he goes and plays with kevin durant in the playoffs and they and they win you know i don't think anybody's going to be like ah this proves that james harden you know can can like you know a team that is built completely around james harden can win a a ty- no. And it's not like he hasn't had help. He had Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. He had Russell Westbrook. You he know? had a pretty good Dwight Howard, you know? Dwight yeah.
0: Howard wasn't washed in Houston the first year there. So,
1: Yeah, but it's, it's chemistry problems. It, it always has been. It always will be, I think, at this point in James Harden's career. So, uh, yeah, no. Giving up uh, three of the Spurs' current best players and uh, – like five future assets uh, for a guy who uh, almost certainly doesn't want to be here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's never going to happen. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was silly. I got a good hearty chuckle out of that one. Uh, poor fella. <laughs> uh, but, you know, think, speak. I don't know. The, it's a two-step uh process that I usually go through uh before I open my mouth. Um you know I the, I don't know. I, I think that the the thing with Harden though, any anytime Houston is in disarray, I'm laughing. I'm having a good time. Uh and you know, especially when the Spurs are getting a, a two game home set against them. So uh there there's a, a very good chance I would say that the Spurs uh, are 8-5 and five after those two games um, and just, you know, continuing to build the momentum.
2: Yeah, and, and I would also uh, say this. That I would imagine that the Nets are going to have the, the best chance to land Harden, and, you know, my hot take is the Nets are going to – the Rockets are going to be pretty good when they get whatever they get from the Nets. You know, I, I, I'm assuming that it's, it's not going to be Kyrie on the table – I don't see why Houston would trade for a disgruntled player who isn't uh, where nobody knows where he's located right now. So, I mean, Rockets are probably going to get what Karis Levert, maybe Jared Allen, uh, you know, the the Nets have a, tons of on their team. They're like a deep squad and they're willing to blow that up to go for the home run ball, which is what we've seen. Um, you know, the, the past few years, the NBA has sort of gotten away from that, uh, from the big three and moved to the big two. Um, so I'm very interested to see what happens when, you know, assuming Harden goes to the Nets um, and you have Harden, Durant, Kyrie, and just losing all that depth and, and you know, no, Dinwiddie's still out. So um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, it's, that's a ridiculous trio, but beyond that and and then the sixers you know like what are the what are the sixers going to give up is simmons actually like on the table
0: and the sixers who have been what the best team in the east 10 11 games into the season are, are they really going to try to blow it up now when they they've got a decent chance at a in, in running to the finals I, I it, yeah. there's a lot of questions around it and a lot of dominoes that um will fall uh you know will will the the league is waiting and the fans are waiting with bated breath to see what happens there uh, but th- there's other things that's going on in the league right now. The the, the league has uh, a, an issue that they're addressing uh, when it comes to coronavirus around the league. You know, uh, the NBA Board of Governors met yesterday. Uh, released new guidelines to that, um, and it's and that's based on 23 days into the season, having seven games already postponed due to COVID-19 outbreaks on, on teams and, and players entering health and safety COVID protocols. Um, wh- what do you guys think about the league, H- how they've addressed everything so far? Tom, I know you've been uh, uh, brushing up on the, the guidelines here uh, that they've updated uh, uh, yesterday.
1: Yeah, um, it's uh, per Adrian Wojnarowski uh, from ESPN – A lot of this stuff uh, seems pretty common sense, Uh, you know, limiting hugs and stuff between opposing players during the game. Yeah, probably not the best idea in the middle of a pandemic, but basically uh, telling the players and coaches and everybody that if you're on the road, you're staying in the hotel or at shoot around or at the game. If you are at home, you're at home or, you know, out for an emergency or something, um, basically uh, trying to impose bubble conditions outside of a bubble, um, and they need to do something because, as you said, you know, three weeks in, seven games canceled, uh, a number of positive tests, and a lot of contact tracing, um, and it's because the the league worked so hard to create a almost hermetically sealed actual bubble. Uh, They, they were an example for the world. They were like, you know, you can do it like this. And if nothing gets in, nothing can spread. Um, And when you are traveling, staying in hotels, uh, conducting business and bumping bodies uh, with other people who are doing the same thing, Uh, during the deadliest time of the deadliest pandemic that most people alive have ever seen. um, You know, it's, you're, you're going to have cases and problems. And then you're also going to have games like that Sixers game where Danny Green had to run point guard because they had eight guys. Hmm. Uh, And that opens up the door for overuse injuries and things like that. You know, guys cramping up and worse. Um, so I think it's fair to say that right now just the nature of this season with everything going on is uh, the most hazardous season that we've seen for player safety, um, you know, between coronavirus and the other concerns about, you know, rest and playing time. Um, and, and the league needs to address this and, and crack down because if they don't, it's going to be unsustainable. Uh, you know, the, the schedule that we have runs through March 4th. Um, That's almost two months from now. And there are still a lot of games to be played that have already been postponed that, um, you know, the way this is going so far, uh, the way that there are continuing and seemingly escalating problems with it. Um, I think I would be surprised if there wasn't some sort of stoppage, at least a brief stoppage, before March 4th. And I would be shocked if there wasn't a week or two in between March 4th and after that uh, when they restart play, maybe in a bubble after that. I don't know. Um,
2: Yeah, I I don't know about the stoppage. And here's the thing is that I understand where you're coming with a stoppage, but a stoppage might create more issues – Uh, allowing people saying, you know, hey, like we need you to stop and stay home, you know, stay home for seven to ten days. But you're also sort of having no thumb on them. You're sort of just letting them free, which could actually backfire. Um, I think what we're more likely to see is what we've seen in other leagues, um, which is trudge forward. And, you know, you can trudge forward like the the NFL – which is to, you know, and, and we can debate how the NFL handled everything with the coronavirus, but this is a business, and, you know, that's just part of it. Um, you know, the NFL shifted days, which is what we can see in the back half of the year. Maybe they add another week or two of games. And, you know, for a team like the Spurs, as of now, who have not lost a game, they might find themselves having more off days, um, in the back half of the year because they don't have to fit as many games in during that time as other teams. So I think that's, you know, the smart thing that the NBA did versus what other leagues have done is they created a first half schedule and a second half schedule, and they haven't released a second half schedule for this reason, because now they'll be able to make up those games and intertwine them into a logical sort of sense of, of geography and, and travel schedule.
1: So you think, you think that uh, they'll keep going after March
2: 4th or no stops? So March 4th? I, I think they'll keep going after March 4th. Maybe they have like an all-star week where, it's, you know, maybe they give them a week off because normally they get four to five days off. So I don't see any harm in saying, hey, let's recalibrate, let's take a week off. Um, but there can also be a week off for the league. And then the teams that need to make up games, make them up in that time. And, you know, like a lot of these teams are off right now. You took off, you're not playing. So for you to play during this stretch, like you're, you know, it it just is what it is. Like, you know, the, the, the the Steelers and Titans, like they played for how many weeks in a row into the playoffs and, and just kept on going. It's not fair for everybody. I don't think the league gives a crap about making this fair for everybody. It's just how do we get through the season to make our money to, to get through it? That's the ultimate goal, sadly, is, and, and, and not to, to poo-poo that the league doesn't care about health and safety, but they significantly care about finishing the season. And I just think that's the reality of the situation, right or wrong. So I think that's what we're going to see. And, and even look at the MLB. The other option is, to do things by winning percentage. Hey, we're not going to make up all of these games. We're just going to have to do this by winning percentage. And the Spurs might play 72, and the Rockets might play 66, and whoever has the best winning percentage has the best winning percentage. And that just might be the way that it goes, and they get through the season that way as well. Um, you know, I, I, if, if we're still in the thick of this um, by playoff time, which um, looks a little bit more likely than I would have said – if you were have asked me this question, uh, when the vaccines were getting rolled out, because we were led to believe that maybe around June, July, life would be sort of heading towards normalcy because a lot of people would have the vaccine. The rollout has been objectively horrific uh, and slow. So that has created a little bit more issues in when we can project life being normalized. So um, if things are kind of heading in this direction, um, maybe, maybe for the playoffs the bubble reemerges, and for the playoffs only they head to a secluded location and they bang it out for a month and a half and just take care of that. And to be honest, for these players at this point, now that's why I mean, it's nice to be in the bubble for a month and a half. I think they can do that and they'd be receptive to that. It's a little bit difficult when you take them away from their families for an entire season. I think that's unrealistic. Um, but I'm sure that in some regard they wouldn't prefer to be in the bubble where they can walk around and kinda live amongst a, a group of people who aren't infected and they know that versus being cooped up in a hotel room. I can't like they're living like reality T V stars right now. It's you go to shoot around, you come back to your hotel room, you stay there, we let you out when it's game time. Like it is like I mean, it's not a fun way to live. Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, uh, you're right, Evan. I don't think a a full season bubble would have been sustainable or feasible by any chance uh, just because you can't keep players cooped up for seven months away from their families, away from just that living their lives, you know, and, you know, there's not a lot of life living outside of the bubble anyways, you know, we're, we're all kind of taking precautions here, uh, you know, staying home and being safe. And, and I think players are, are stepping, uh, you know, right now are in that kind of same rhythm as well. Um, I, I think, you know, there's seven weeks until March 4th. The, the league gave themselves 10 weeks to kind of see how this played out. And, and three weeks in, they're making a pivot. I, I doubt this is the last pivot they make before March 4th, you know, that we might see some more... More stricter guidelines based on how things are playing out. Um, it's all about how players are going to respond to it. And, and last night we heard from George Hill after the Spurs-Thunder game kind of respond to the new rules. Um, he, he said, and I'm, I'm pulling his quote here, we want to play the game, but I don't understand some of the rules. We can sweat 48 minutes with a guy next to us for 48 minutes, but we can't talk to them afterwards. It makes no sense. Um To to which I I want to paraphrase something that Ryan Russillo made because I think he brought the point. uh, He he summed the point up as as aptly as I've seen it. You know, if that makes 1% of a difference, that's 1% of a difference. That's something, you know? And and I think that's going to go a ways. If they can find ways to kind of Make it ever incrementally so more safe for players that allows them to continue to play the game. Um, now, George Hill said some other things that uh, we we can weigh in on as well, Tom, if you if you want to. But um, you know, I think the most apt comparison is going to be Major League Baseball, where. Like you said, Evan, uh, they may not finish. You know, th- not every team may play seventy-two games. It might be a win percentage thing. But based on how teams are traveling, playing games back to back in cities, um, watching how Major League Baseball unfolded, uh, will probably be how this goes. And you know, the Major League Baseball had a World Series. We'll probably have a championship at some point in time in basketball. The thing, the good thing for the the, the league is their playoffs were set with a window there to give teams to, uh, to give the players a chance to pivot to the Olympics. The Olympics doesn't look like it's trending. They're going to happen this year. Tokyo officials are talking about what to do. there. uh, may be postponing there. So that gives the league a a window to kind of push things back if they need to add more weeks to the schedule to finish off the season. Um, regardless, it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. There's a lot of questions left to be answered.
1: Yeah. Uh, George Hill, uh, here I'm just going to read his quote. I'm a grown man, so I'm going to do what I want to do. If I want to go see my family, I'm going to go see my family. They can't tell me what I'm going to do. If it's that serious, maybe we shouldn't be playing. George Hill, right about two things there. He is a grown man, uh, and uh, I don't think he's wrong to say that if it is that serious, maybe they shouldn't be playing. And um, And to be clear, it is that serious. It's deadly serious. Uh, By March 4th, uh, we're probably going to be looking at 400,000 Americans who have died because of this virus. Um, And the number of Americans who die every day is uh, in thousands and near a record high. Um, So this is a very serious time. It's a very serious thing that... Everybody needs to take very seriously. Uh, I would push back on George Hill saying they can't tell me what I'm going to do. Uh, If you're under contract and, you know, the Players Association collectively bargains uh, and uh, they say this is the only way we can do this safely and execute our business. uh, Yeah, I think they can tell you what to do. Uh, and I think that if you don't do what they tell you to do, then that could be uh, an issue for your job security and, uh, or at least the compensation part of it. Yeah. So, I mean,
0: Going, going towards that point the, they can tell you what to do. And, and that has effect if they have any sort of enforcement, right? You know, we, we've seen guidelines and protocols put in place since the beginning of the season, since training camp. We've seen players and coaches break those guidelines, break the protocol. And there's been very little action against any team or player. Harden was fined for, for the time missed, um, but that still did not weigh a game check. You know, he, he got back, he got to play and he got paid. Um, In the NFL, they were a little more hard-lined on the rules there, where you saw teams with multiple infractions lose draft picks. You know, they got fined. They lost draft picks. Um, The league needs to step up, I think, on their enforcement of the rules. If they're going to keep changing rules and adding rules, make it clear that the rules will be enforced and are, are punishable.
2: And I agree. It's like, you know, we all work for a business. We can all, you know... Uh, we're all grown men and women and we have um, we have our thoughts of what should happen. We have our thoughts of what we should be able to do, but in the end we also have bosses and and we got to play by the rules and playing by the rules is just something that's out of our control. And if they make a call, we have to listen. So just because you're confused about it and just because you don't agree with it, well, you know, it It's your job, and there are things in our job that we don't necessarily love but but we have to gut through it and It's like you know uh, for us, do we you know would we all love to go into work and and have our digital set up and have the normal functionality um of what we're used to because it would make our lives a lot easier, of course, but we have to stay home because the best you know the best scenario and that makes us stir crazy and all this this stuff, but it's for the greater good. So, you know, you just do your best, you do your best, you do what you can, and you just, you kind of just deal with it.
0: Yeah, we're recording the Big Fun Pod from our homes and we'll be here next week in our homes uh, recording the podcast as this uh, continues on there. Uh, We got some more basketball looking forward to here. uh, Back to the Rockets, as we mentioned. Uh, I think on the the, the next swath of games from the schedule, I'm most looking forward to the Warriors because Steph Curry is proving once again that he is one of the 10 greatest players to ever touch a basketball. Um, So we'll have a lot to talk about next week when we do that. Any final words, guys? Tom's last thoughts.
1: Oh, last thoughts, last thoughts. Let me think. Um, oh, one thing. I've actually been thinking the entire show. Evan, uh, I'm sure you have to go uh, get to the Live, Laugh, Love store. I see some open space on the <laughs> wall behind you there.
2: <laughs>
0: hey, Tom, what are Saturdays for? What are Saturdays for?
1: Um, I know this one. I know this one. Uh, uh, getting bucked
2: up, it seems. Oh, man. That was a great gift. Not, that was not a great boy. gift. Not the boys? All right. That was so, a uh, great gift. Ba- a funny story about this was I bought Courtney. Uh, she said she always wanted one of these. And I went on, like, Etsy. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, looks good. I didn't realize that this thing was gigantic. It's going <laughs> to take our entire lifetime together to fill out the amount of corks that would be needed to, to oh, get the best wine. The ones- that's oh, a wow. cork box. This yeah. whole thing is a- look at my hand. It's It's like – like I bought like the biggest cork box in the world. You got,
0: you got some work ahead of you there and uh, we'll be able to check on your progress next week. uh, If you record from the same location here.
2: Um, Hey guys, working (laughs) on the cork for us.
0: (laughs) That's at Evan Klosky at real Tom Petrini. I'm at Jackson Kins five. And of course, follow the big fun pod at big fun pod on Twitter. And we'll see you guys next week.